A 3-1 Rangers third period lead quickly evaporated against the rival Islanders Tuesday night at the Garden. Not without some controversy, though. Molly, the blue shirts have now lost three straight games. It feels like deja vu on this podcast. Yeah, you know, I think Jacob Truba said it best. It's it's not the start to the season that they thought it would be. And, and he said that it's not lost on the guys in the room, that this is not the start to the season that they want to be having. So there was definitely, I, I don't want to say alarm bells, but a sense of urgency in the locker room after that Islanders loss. So I'm very curious to see how they take it from here because six, five and three to start the season is, is just not good enough for a team coming off a run to the Eastern conference final. We'll discuss the losing streak and look ahead to the week ahead with our pal, Larry Brooks. And we're joined by special guest, former Ranger, a Stanley cup champion with the devils and NHL network analyst, Mike, Rup. Lots to do next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Mike Rupp, Stanley Cup champion, former Ranger, one of my favorite analysts. You see him on NHL Network. Rupper will join us later in the show. Our Hockey Hall of Fame writer, Larry Brooks, is going to join us in just a minute. I'm Jake Brown, the podfather, along with the queen of the post, Rangers beat writer, Molly Walker. Molly, the Rangers are losers of three straight and... Tuesday night was a tough pill to swallow. One, because you blew a two-goal lead for the second straight game, this time in the third period. You do it against the Islanders, who you've now lost to twice. You do it to an Islander team that you only play one more time, which we've debated on this show before is a disgrace that their matchups against the Crosstown rival are over in December, and we don't even see them again in 2023. And you do it after a controversial no-tripping call Against Wallstrom on Kako, four seconds later, game-winning goal. Your thoughts on the no-tripping call? Yeah, you know, it was it was an egregious missed call, for sure. Um, it was a blatant trip. And let me tell you, that Wallstrom, that Wallstrom, he's got some serious bite to his game. And uh, it was kind of fun watching uh, Alexi Lafreniere kind of try to give him an answer for it, because uh, Alexi Lafreniere has a little bit of that in him, too. But it was definitely an egregious missed call. And and you could tell that uh, Rangers head coach Gerard Gallant was, was not happy. Um, he didn't explicitly say his thoughts on the on the no call um because he's really just never been one to to criticize the officiating and and he's honestly he's always the first one to commend the officiating actually he always talks about how difficult of a job it is um so i don't think he he wanted to go down that route down that road but you could tell that that he really was was not pleased and you know he was asking you 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 guys saw it you know you guys saw how it all unfolded um, so he definitely was not pleased. And why would you be? He, I do agree with him. Uh, aside from the third period, uh, I think the Rangers played one of their better games through the first two periods. But 
I think Vincent Trocek said it pretty well. It kind of felt like they were playing not to lose. And that's just a trait that, you know, they kind of have to to nix immediately, nip that in the butt as soon as humanly possible, because that's not the way for a, a team like the Rangers to be playing. So it was a pretty deflating loss. And I think it'll be very telling to see how the Rangers move on from here. All right, Molly, well, let's get right into it with our Hockey Hall of Fame writer, Larry Brooks. Follow him on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. The hat one today. What, what hat is that you have? on Larry Cornell hockey proud supporter of the big red the big reds playing a little bit better than the uh, blue and white the Rangers right now the red blue and white whatever you want to call it the non-tripping call Larry let's start there what happened there it was a non-tripping call (laughs) it appeared as if Kako had possession of the puck along the boards you know on the half wall or a little bit lower and and Wallstrom tripped him and it wasn't called. Whether it was just missed or ignored, you know, it's impossible to say. But um, you know, but the but the Rangers did not react well to it, obviously. And and you know, it's 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 probably uh, foolish to cite one non-call as as you know the reason. You know, I mean, it's it's not the reason the Rangers didn't bring any kind of a game in the third period. It's it's you know when when things go bad, they go bad. And you're not getting calls. You're not getting breaks. The puck's not bouncing right. But on the other hand, it is it is true that teams earn their breaks, and the Rangers really didn't earn any break in the third period last night. You know, it was a bad, it was a missed call. But, you know, but it was also uh, a couple of misassignments uh, following that. So you know, it, it's not as if the puck went in uh, when Kako uh, when Kako was tripped uh, by Wallstrom. So you know, more, more you know, there was more to the much more or much less to the defeat than that. I feel like when they say it rains, it, when it rains, it pours, it, yeah. it couldn't be any more true. And, you know, it, that was a pretty deflating one for the Rangers against the Islanders. I mean, you kind of touched on it on your over, overall assessment of how it unfolded, but could you also just speak to the vibes that you got in the locker room? Because they were different than they have been after after a lot of the other losses earlier yeah, this season. There was concern. There, there was real concern. And um, there wasn't a heavy volume of players. Uh, in the room. But, you know, when Adam Fox walks out and says, look, this isn't last year, we can't rely on last year. When Artemi Panarin says, you know, Panarin, who's who's always, always looking for the good. And, and he did, you know, there it wasn't all, gloom, it wasn't gloom and doom, but, you know, or Terry, it was close. <laughs> Go on a tangent. I remember Brad Richards, when the Rangers went back to Tampa the first time Brad Richards had, you know, with the first time with Brad Richards after he had gone to the Rangers from Dallas. So it was, it was, it was, it was Richie's first trip back. And at the morning skate, all of the Tampa writers were over talking to him about, you know, the, the cup when they had the cup year and in, in Tampa and welcome back, Richie, and welcome back, Richie. So I I kind of appeared from the background and was walking toward him. And, and Richie looks around the, you know, to the to the group of Tampa writers, you know, oh, here comes gloom and doom. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Because he, he had not he had not been playing well. Yeah. And I had just written a column about him. So but a little anyway. bit of a, a reality check from you. Yeah, a reality <laughs> check for Brad Richards. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, you know, when our Tammy Panarin talks about, you know, this has to change. Even Vincent Trocek um, talking about a loss of confidence and no swagger. Yeah, this one hit because they played a very, very strong 40 minutes last night. And, you know, they they played, you know, they, they played a, a reasonable facsimile of the way they, they want to play and have to play. Um, Shesterkin was very, very good. 
They were hard on the puck. They were drawing penalties. You know, they they forced the Islanders into four minors and, you know, within 12 minutes, bridging the first and second. You know, they, they, they had pretty good structure. They had good possession, scored twice on the power play. So they're, you know, they're, you know, their signature was all over the game. They give up the goal. They give up a goal 14 seconds into the third. Not sure if it was a great goal either. You know, the pucks are going through Shesterkin. And, and you don't want to skate. You know, I'm not scapegoating the goalie. It's easy to do. But, you know, he won the Vezina last year. He carried them last year. And, you know, there's a certain dependence on the goalie being elite. They haven't, you know, he hasn't been. So, you know, they give up the goal 14 seconds in and their game just evaporated. You know, this this was not the first 40 minutes, Rangers. This, this was... This was, you know, a, a as I said, you know, give the Islanders all sorts of credit. I mean, they they come back, they come back, they come back now. They have the best third period goal differential in the league. You know, it's interesting. It's not last year for the Rangers, but it's not last year for the Islanders either. It's like two years ago for the Islanders, three years ago for the Islanders. But I don't think the Islanders seized the game as much as the, the Rangers left it there. Um, because the Rangers just, you know, didn't generate anything. There was no energy um, and whether that's representative of a, of a, of a lack of confidence, um, I don't know. But um, it, it was a staggering, staggering defeat. Doesn't mean they can't come back from it. There, you know, there are um, sixty-eight games left, so there is time to come back for it. But they, you know, they have to get this straightened out quickly. They're, you know, in, the, in you know, they're, they're below the cut line. Teams in the East are much better than they were last year. So this is six out of the next seven on the road. It's going to be, you know, they're facing a real challenge. Going back to Igor Shostyrkin, um, the one thing I've really noticed about him this season that was not so much a factor last season is his rebound control. It just hasn't been the same. And I feel like a lot of teams have scored on putbacks or just battling around the net. I guess, are, are you saying seeing the same thing from him? I think that's part of it, yeah. And and compounding that is the fact that the Rangers are just not defending the front of the net well at all. But yes, I, I see that because I, I also see, and, and again, speaking for you, if I can, you know, we're not goaltending experts, right? We're, we're just not. And But he doesn't seem to be seeing the puck as well to me. And and that might be a cause of why he's kind of stabbing at pucks and and leaving those rebounds. He just doesn't seem to be tracking the puck as well. And I thought he did last night in the first two periods. That was one of the things early. I thought he was seeing through screens. Um, you know, he was he was in position. So again, I, I wouldn't have the the I wouldn't have the first idea what to say to him about, hey, this is what you need. I mean, you know, it's Chris Kreider kind of watching, Chris, you've got to move your feet. You know, it, you know, that's that's easy. Anyone, anyone can can almost coach Chris Chris Kreider. You got to move your feet, Chris. I, I wouldn't have the slightest idea what to say to Igor Shosturkin. So, um, but there's a head, but there's a heavy burden on him, and I and I know, you know, you know, he's a younger player, but it's 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 his fourth year in the league now. It's imperative that he that he regains whatever it is that he has lost because the Rangers have no chance if he's an average goalie, none. You know, few teams do. I mean, you know, it, it is almost impossible to win with average goaltending. Maybe if you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, you can get by. But, you know, this team is built on their goaltending. And to a certain degree, their special teams and Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, Fox, you know, they're, they're built on elite players. Nobody is playing close to elite hockey at this point. 
I mean, stellar goaltending was their X factor last last season. So was Chris Kreider, but you know, confidence in who's in net has kind of always been the Rangers trademark. How concerned should people be if Shesterkin isn't giving the Rangers that otherworldly goaltending? Very concerned, but I, you know, I, I, but I, but I also, um, I also go back to to uh, the standard that Lundqvist established, where he carried the, the the Rangers basically for twelve years. He wasn't always at his best in October. In fact, early in his career, um, October, early November were the most mediocre of of his seasons. So there, there, you know, there, there is room for Shesterkin to turn this around, but he's an entirely pers- different personality than Lundqvist is. Um, this is a different team, you know, it's a different scenario. Uh, yeah, I, I would think there'd be a, a, a level of great concern if, if um, their goaltending does not rise to an elite status this year. If you're Coach Galen, you've already seen him make some line of adjustments. What do you do to try to turn this around? What does what does Coach Brooksy do? Well, one thing I would one thing I would try and do, and 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 one thing I was thinking about writing is about, and it's a difficult challenge. Um, I think they need to get Heedle onto the ice more. They have to find a way to get Heedle onto the ice more. He had what about twelve minutes last night, I think. And I get it. I mean, Zabanaja is their first line center. Trocheck, who I thought played well last night, had has you know he was he was involved all night he gets the you know he's second line minutes and so third line minutes for for Heedle but I I think you need to find a way to get Philip Heedle onto the ice more often and that's that's a real challenge now I wouldn't mind reuniting the kid line and using them as their second line but I don't know how the rest of the team would you know you can figure the rest of the team around that um, you'd almost have to have a first line of Panarin, Zibanejad and Kreider I mean, you, you know, unless you're you're putting Chris, to, unless you're putting Chris with Trocheck on the third line, and I know there's you know there's been I've I've received um, on social media messages and and uh, emails about you can't put Tro- you can't use Trocheck as the third line center when you're paying him five point six five. To me, that's not an issue. You you don't make your lineup based on 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 your payroll structure. That has nothing to do with it. It's it's you know would it make sense? If Kreider, Trocheck, say, and um, uh, VC were their were their third line, and but you'd have, but then that would mean Kravtsov would be on the first line, or would you move Goodrow up to play um, on the top line? And, you know, I'm I'm not sure, but I but I do think that you know this is all goes back to trying to find a way to uh, get Phil Pedal more ice time because again. He doesn't get on much on the power play. The second unit doesn't get much time on the power play. We know that. Um, so there's just not, a, you know, there, there's not a lot of opportunity for him to be on the ice if you're going Zibanejad, Trocek, um, who are both on the first power play, who are both among their top four and penalty killers. You know, there's a, like we talked about this, I think, last week. There's a lot of ice time now being given to the top players on the team. And I think there's, there's you know, we're only 14 games into the season. And Zibanejad's minutes are are up considerably. Trocheks are up considerably from where Strom was last year. I th- I think Gallant needs to find a way to smooth that out a little bit. You know, I'm not suggesting that this would be an immediate turnaround. You know, last week I suggested that uh, Seth Jones play with Truba and didn't work out so well in their one game. So you know, I'm 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 not a candidate uh, for the coaching job. So, um, but I, I just would like you know. 
to see a little bit more of Hedl. I'd like to see a little bit more of Lafreniere, who still needs who still needs to to bring a more consistent game. He plays with more snarl against the Islanders than he does the other team in the league. I don't know why that is. He's always involved. He's always talking. Like the first two periods, Lafreniere last night um, was the you know, playoff type Lafreniere in in the Islanders' faces, the way he was in Pittsburgh's faces and Carolina's faces. He doesn't do that every game. I, you know, I, I don't know what the dynamic is with him, um, but I'd like to see him be. I'd like to see Lafreniere be more involved. And I think there's a comfort zone when he's playing with Heedle. That would be something I, I, I would look to do. Listen, you know, this is who they have. Um, you can't constantly rearrange the pieces either, but they haven't gotten to a point where it's possible to solidify their, their rotation either. You know, in, in, in a couple of their best years back in, in 13, 14, 14, 15, with Vino behind the bench, he, he changed things all the time. The first, he used the first two or three months of the season as, 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 almost an extended training camp. I don't think this team can afford to do that because I, I just, you know, I, th- I think the competition is too stiff. I think they, but they haven't found a formula that works. And so I don't think Gallant should be married to anything, but boy, I'd like to see the kids play together. But again, it, it's not about like, it's not about them. It's about constructing their more formidable team. And you'd have to take a real look again at, at you know, what what the first and third lines would be if you use the kids as the second line. You can pick up a copy of the New York Post. You can go to nypost.com. You can go to Post Sports Plus, and you can follow him on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Larry Brooks, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. All right. Great stuff from usual from Larry Brooks. And Molly, I expected better on a night where a guy shot the puck from center ice uh- into <laughs> a small little hole and won a Hyundai Tucson, whatever it was. Usually that I think of Jackie Moon and uh, semi pro where they give him the fake check because they didn't think he was going to make the half court shot. This guy really won a car days after the guy hit the half court shot at the garden. Knicks lost to the Celtics uh, Rangers lose to the Islanders. What the hell's going on? The fans have been more entertaining than the team. They're going to watch. I didn't even know about the half court shot at the Knicks game, but that's pretty funny. You know, it was absolutely wild. It was, I think his reaction was the best part of the whole thing. Like just the pure shock and an awe on his face. And like the shot of him sitting in the car and, and waving and, and, you know, doing the, the surfs up, hand gesture it was it was really funny it was it was good vibes good vibes <laughs> they've given up two cars in a four-day span at msg i think they've hit their quota they might need a new sponsor to give out something else give out like a washing machine like they did in semi-pro but that was like a little crevice too that's that's art i don't know what's tougher you think hitting that small little hole or hitting a half court shot probably the small little hole oh my god especially when you're sliding it on the ice like that can go anywhere but we were at we were actually all talking about it in the press box we were wondering does he just like drive out of the garden in that like if you if you've ever been in the lower level there's like a very like long ramp that just goes down where like players park their cars and all that kind of stuff um, and we were just wondering, does he just drive out of the arena in it? Like, I wonder I wonder how that comes to be. <laughs> it's interesting giving away cars in New York City where like me and a lot of people don't have a car and don't have use for it. But hey, you, you know, pay the taxes and the rest. It's all yours, buddy. Enjoy the car. Two cars in a week at the Garden. What's next? Let's have these teams win some games now. How about that? Fans are winning everything. Well, a guy who won some games, won a Stanley Cup. It's got a beautiful dome. He's just got a big bald head like me, except a little bit 
a little bit shinier than mine because he's on TV. That's Mike Rupp. He's going to join up in the blue seats next. We can't, like we've talked about, rest on last year and say we all we did that last year. So got to right the ship here. All right. Joining us now, you catch him on the NHL Network, of course, where he is an analyst. He is the host of the That's Hockey Talk podcast. You can watch every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. He's a Stanley Cup champion with the Devils. He played parts of two seasons with the Rangers. Follow him on Twitter at Rupper17. Welcome to the show. Let's welcome him back. Mike Rupp. Mike, when you go on TV, what do they do to your head? Do they powder it up? Do they use cocoa butter? What do they do for you? Well, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I figured if I can cover half my face with hair, the, the, the half that I can control because I don't have hair up top, uh, then I only have to powder up this spot, right? So the only thing I got, I got to make sure I don't get the glare off the forehead. So yeah, just powder up the forehead, take away the shine a little bit. You'd be amazed at my knowledge of makeup now for those situations. And uh, but yeah, just uh, get the get it so it doesn't reflect too much. We don't want too much glow off the top. Molly, you know about that, right? You know a little about hair and makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, guys, when it's, uh, you know, I, I, so I have, we have a makeup crew at NHL Network, and that's, you know, they're awesome. I don't have to worry about it. But then when I do, whether it's MSG stuff or stuff in the past, doing, uh, you know, remote stuff, they gave me a little package and I ran out of the stuff. So I needed to order some more stuff and some of it's matched to my skin tone and all these things. So I go online, I'm flipping over like these compacts and it says like, m490z i'm like is that my color like i don't know what that is so i just type that in a google search and uh, it's overwhelming trying to buy makeup so i give a lot of credit to you you women out there man that's a that's a process <laughs> all right guys look i know this is a rangers podcast and there's a lot going on with them right now and, and we will get to all that but i feel like we have to start with isaiah meyer crothers if you're not up to date, the Bruins signed Mitchell Miller to a contract a few days ago, despite the fact that it came out when the Coyotes initially drafted him, that he was convicted in juvenile court for heinous and racially motivated bullying when he was 14. The Bruins did ultimately cut ties with Miller after significant backlash and after it was apparent that Miller had not made amends with Isaiah or his family or really done much to, to prove that he has come back from such horrible incidents, which I don't even know if you can come back from that. But Isaiah just released a statement in his own words. And and I'll be honest with you guys, I'm, I'm really just sick to my stomach. And I, and I feel like all we've been hearing is from everybody else, Isaiah's mom, the Bruins, Cam Neely, Miller's agent, King. And, and now that we finally hear from him, I just feel like it's important for us to open the dialogue here. So I guess just... Rob, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how this all unfolded, just from the Bruins to Miller's camp and and everything in between. Yeah, you know what, Molly? It's um, yeah, I agree with you too. And and, and just full transparency as we're doing this, um, that you know Isaiah's message was just tweeted out there, right? So this is fresh with us reading it, and it's like I have goosebumps but like bad goosebumps like uncomfortable like I, I feel certain things right now from reading Isaiah's words there and I know that you guys do as well but like so here's my thing that just to talk about it from the Bruins standpoint first off just speaking in general terms I believe in second chances I do I think most of us do but you you have to you, there's there's certain things that have to be done to get those second chances 
And that's part of this situation here. But just from the Bruins standpoint of wanting to go and try to see if they can, you know, maybe give that second chance or have this player bring him into this organization. I think for the level of what he's been accused of and what we've already found in, in court and when back when he was 14, uh, what Mitchell Miller is, is done, it takes more than, I think especially nowadays in our society when we're finally talking about things a little more openly and things are starting to be more transparent out there, you have to have a plan in place. There has to be something, all right, this is what we are looking to do. This is what we have research this is what we have found and this is the plan moving forward i think at least being able to provide people with some things like that it maybe would have been taken a little bit better or at least uh, but it was just like this we're signing this player hold on a second you can't just you can do yeah you, you could do that but we uh, as a society got to look out for one another this is i'm sorry it's bullshit like <laughs> it is you know what i mean like so I think there's a way that this has to play out that didn't happen. So, you know, I think since then with, with Cam Neely and the Bruins are taking ownership, I actually liked what Cam Neely said where he's like, this is on us. This is a total shortfall on our end. I don't know where this goes, but I agree with you. Having Isaiah, uh, something has to be done here. I, I think on a, on a, and that's where it gets tough too. Like what is genuine now at this point? Because he's been drafted, you know, that's been rescinded. The contract's been given, that's been rescinded. At what point now are we getting to the point where it's not genuine? You know what I mean? And it sucks because this kid just needs to, there needs to be some amends here. Some, some Isaiah needs to find that some sort of closure to this so he can move on with his life. And from those, from what we just read, that's not happening. And that's what tears me up, right? Like, you, you got to get on with your life. Not not now you have to get on with it. I mean, he has to feel like this is closure and, and he hasn't received that from Mitchell. So at least that's what we're seeing here. So man, this is I don't know. I don't know where it goes from here. I really don't. But if we're gonna we're gonna turn to the Rangers and to actual hockey talk here, um Gerard Gallant gave the Rangers a six out of ten after their first eleven games or so. I'm curious, Rep, what would you give the Rangers at this point in time? So I would say, I mean, a six has come from the coach who is overly happy. Uh, I, I give them a little bit more than that. I think the Rangers have been a team that has been just okay. They've been all right. They've had stretches where they look good and they have stretches where they don't. And right now, I think over the last couple of games, they've looked good. They just haven't gotten the results. I mean, you can even argue that back when when they got shut out by the Islanders, when they had 40 plus shots, whatever. Like they're 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 getting they're getting some looks. They're not getting the finish. They're not closing out games uh, like last night. So that was that that's been an issue. But I would probably give them more like maybe a seven. Like maybe okay. maybe a, maybe a seven. Yeah. So, I, but I think that they're, I think they're okay. And I think the one thing that a lot of these fan bases have to look at, and it's not trying to make excuses for their teams, but a lot of teams are going through this. There's a lot of really good teams, but we have a lot of question marks and there's a lot of teams that we weren't expecting too much from that. I'm not willing to crown yet. I think those examples would be the Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars, New Jersey Devils. Like, I mean, they, they, they look great and I love what I'm seeing from them, but we got to kind of slow it down here. Uh, so the Rangers, I, I think that they'll, we, it was kind of funny though, because for the Ranger fans, obviously watching this, we, we posed this question on NHL Network the other day because I don't feel like there is a team. They said, who's, who's the team that is best structured to win the Stanley Cup this year? So not necessarily what they look like right now, but on paper, and when you're looking at a roster and everything as far as checking off certain things, who's got everything covered? And 
the quite the reason why we asked that is because right now I don't think anybody feels good about any team. That team's going to win the cup or that team's going to the final. Like it can be anybody right now, but the Rangers came up as a team that I think when you look at the build of this team, the roster, they've got everything checked in my opinion, all the boxes are checked. Not a, There's a lot of teams that don't have that. I mean, you could argue, let's look at the final four teams last year. You have, we'll put the Rangers aside. Then you got you got Tampa, who their blue line has question marks. They're, they miss Andre Plot. They have a lot of question marks with how guys are going to be slotted up uh, in their lineup. They haven't looked that great to this point either. They've been, played better lately. And then you can go out to um, Colorado. Colorado is, I mean, we're not, totally sure on their goaltending their defense is good but they're really banged up they just said yesterday that they have all these guys missing time and then their forward group it's after their top line and uh right now yeah it's a significant drop they lost some pieces uh edmonton's got goalie issues and kind of the same story with them is is depth depth scoring and d so I, i anyways you just look across the board i think the rangers actually are set up really nice now it's a matter of just playing the right way the right time of year they're not there yet but they don't really need to be so i think they'll be fine um i think gerard's doing what he can to push the buttons of chris Kreider and use him as, as an example and uh he's trying to keep everybody accountable so we'll see how it works long term you made the eastern conference finals 10 years ago with the rangers is there such a thing as a you know a hangover from that kind of season is this rangers team having a hangover like we would on a you know a Saturday morning after a Friday night bender is that a, is that an actual thing? You know what I don't I don't think it's uh, I don't I, what I think it is is uh, teams and individuals. I think the hardest thing in the NHL is dealing with expectations and dealing with feeling like you've accomplished something. I mean, you, you could try to sugarcoat it all you want if you want to give yourself a pat on the back or you know make the guys on your team feel good about things. But only one team was successful last year. I mean, every team comes in to win a Stanley Cup. For the Rangers, I guess, these hangovers, if you will, from from teams uh, or these drop-offs from what we've seen, I, I think it, it's due to teams feeling like they've accomplished something. You haven't accomplished anything. Like, listen, I, I the Rangers are awesome last year and what we saw, and they're ahead of schedule. But they did that because they had a chip on their shoulder. Don't lose that chip. That chip is what separated you last year and made you go on that run. So I'm not saying this is happening with them, but – you didn't accomplish anything. You know, you didn't win a Stanley Cup. You didn't make it to the finals. Like, so I think that's really important. And good coaches, and, and you know, I'm sure Gerard Gallant, I had him, he's an awesome coach, is, is stating that. John Tortorella is doing that in Philly after a couple of games. When Philly's the talk of the town and they've won some games, what's he do? He sits down, connect me and Hayes in the third period. Just, I, I think literally, I went back and I watched, I didn't really see anything overly egregious that he would sit them. I think it was just like, hey, fellas. Don't believe the hype. You haven't done anything yet. Like, this is a long-term process. We're going to sit those guys, get everybody's attention, and this team has kind of kept kept going a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's more of just don't lose your thunder. Don't lose your edge. This was a team that I don't think many places in, across the NHL had uh, that much expectation for last year. Surprised a lot. Now, all of a sudden, they're they're considered to be a favorite. Can't let it get good to you in those situations. So I think it's just a matter of knowing that you still got to keep that edge and have that uh, chip on your shoulder, I think. What were your impressions of Gallant as a as a coach? I loved him. He was honest as you can be. I mean, he was, he was great. I, I felt like he was kind of the type of coach you wanted to play for, um, almost like that high school hockey or high school football, I should say, uh, mentality. Like you want to go through a wall for that coach. And 
I think that's special because you don't get that a lot of times. You can't manufacture it. You just feel it that he's in it with you. And um, I always felt like that with, with Gerard, but he's, he's straightforward and honest. Like he tells you, he almost does it. You know, you can tell he's got his, you know, when he, when he speaks, he has the same look on his face. And sometimes there's sarcasm. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes he's mad. Sometimes he's not. He's joking. He looks the same. So you got to like be able to read that. And uh, but he he'll sit there and he'll just tell you something that you think that would just rip you down. And uh, he gets that little smirk and gives you a wink. He's like, I know you got this. Like, come on. So he he believes in you, and I think that that goes a long way. Yeah, I definitely think he's a player's coach. That's the impression I've gotten from him. And and it's funny how you kind of described the way that he talks, because it's true. You know, obviously, it's a different kind of setup for the media. It's a little bit more formal. But but you toss him a question and it could have absolutely nothing to do with a specific player. But he'll just he'll just get right into the point that he wants to make, kind of like like what he did with Chris Kreider, you know, talking about how he's got to be pulling in the same direction as the rest of the team. And as of late, he's feeling like he's pulling the other way. I I didn't even ask about Chris Kreider specifically, but when he's got a point to make, he's he's going to make it. (laughs) Yeah, no. And and I think it's important to, to pay attention to who they're making points with, too. We know Jacob Truba is the captain of this team, deservingly so. But let's not forget some of those other guys that were in that conversation. And Chris Kreider was right at the forefront. Longest tenured Ranger. You you talked, Jake, about, you know, 10 years ago, that, that was Kreider's debut, right? He's been with this organization for a long time. Doing it to Chris Kreider, he knows he'll get a reaction. He knows that he'll respond the right way. That's what he's looking for here. He's just looking to squeeze the group. And I think that's important. Yeah. He did the same thing with Alexi Lafreniere last season. Yeah. Put him on the fourth line in practice, put him on the fourth line in a game. And I remember asking Alexi point blank, like, you know, are you the kind of guy that, you know, responds to that kind of, you know, coaching? And he was like, oh, yeah. You got to be you got to be careful that it's funny because we uh, well, the other the other one that jumps that comes to mind is remember the 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 caco scratching in the last game of the playoffs. And it was kind of like, I think because of where they were in the playoffs and it kind of like snuck under, I mean, everybody took note, but it was like the game's so big. It was whatever. I love where Capo Caco's game is and where it's going. And I don't know if he finds another level without that. I've been the player in that situation because he was, I guarantee you, he was stewing all summer and he was working and he knew I'm going to, you know, I like this guy, but I'm going to stick it to him. I'm going to show him. I'm going to this. It'd be great to, you know, get that from, from, from Kako at some point, but I, I think that that's a motivating factor, you know, for him for sure. But it's, uh, you know, you got to have, you got to kind of plant those, those seeds and challenge guys, you know, and you gotta, you gotta see what they're, what they're, what they can do and how they respond. And uh, I, I will say this though, is that was Scotty Hartnell working the other day and we're talking about the torts thing, sitting, connecting and hey, they reply or start responded the right way. And I remember, I remember thinking about this and it jumped my head. I'm like, Hey, when you were in Columbus with torts, I remember you got scratched or you got scratched or benched. I, I, I recall you had like a hat trick or something the next game. He's like, oh, I don't really remember. So our research looked it up. So he had a, he got scratched the one game. Then he had like six points in his next four games. And there's another one where he got sat a whole third period. The next, and that was kind of like the talk. And then the next game he had the hat trick. So I'm like, you got to be careful though, because like a player like Lafreniere, you're going to say the right things. But if you do too respond too well, you know he's like 
this is how I motivate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know I mean? This is the careful. button to push. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is now, so now Scotty Hart, I'm like, Hartsy, I'm like, you responded too well, though. You have to kind of taper it down where it's like, ah, I kind of work. But he's like, that's how I motivate him. So you got to be careful how you respond or the coach is going to be like, oh, I want, uh, I want Repper going. Let's sit his butt down one more time. But uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, John Tortorella is totally one of those coaches that also is, is a button pusher, if you will. Yeah, 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 for sure. When the refs miss a tripping call like they did against the Islanders, what is the reaction in the locker room right after that? After Because it's not like the NBA where the, your players just yelling in the ref's face immediately after a call. You don't get that in NHL. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but not as much, I feel like. What is the feel in the locker room after that? Is that something you guys are talking about? Like, God damn, that John Jones, that ref missed that call and pissed off, and you remember that the next time he's uh, officiating? Yeah, I mean, you certainly talk about it and you vent about it. I mean, as much as fans complain about refereeing, I mean, we certainly do as players. And it, there's carryover, too. I mean, there's a lot of players. I mean, a lot of players before games, and you're looking even at the the matchup on paper and get the stat pack, and you're going right to the referees and seeing who's ref in the game. And uh, sometimes guys are like, oh, hey, you know, you got to kind of taper our game but accordingly. But, um, you know, I think it's really important in the NHL to it's important to just move past bad calls. And, and I find that a lot of coaches, you get a lot of coaches that I, I think this is really important is coaches that are on the bench. They will just tell their players to shut their mouths. If anybody's talking to referees, it's me. And what that does is because I agree when there's a missed call or a bad call, it can it starts eating at you. We know his fans watching, but his players too. And you've got to turn that page and, and keep going. And you can't let that frustration come in. So if you're yelling at the referee and you're yelling from the bench and that happens all the time, you got to like cut the cord on it at some point. Let the coach be the guy to do it. You express it like, you know, whatever, and let the coach handle that because um, you, you've got to move past it because this is there's so, such a small margin in winning and losing. If you're going to go in between periods and stewing about that, it's like you're almost giving yourself an excuse. You can't lose your the edge that you have. And I, it's funny because the NHL, with everything between that calls being benched, guys slashing you or whacking you on the ice, like it's all about funneling emotion. And funneling it the right way and using it to motivate and to drive you. And uh, if you don't, it can it can take you down. That's for sure. Uh, let's close with this. Because you have a drum set behind you, our producer, Andrew Hartz, is actually a drummer. He drums for a country singer, Jessica Lynn. Could you drum us a little song before uh, we send you off? Dude, to be completely honest, dude, I'm this. I'm not at home. I, this is this, this is, is not, not my. I am the. I am literally the most non musically inclined person you'll ever see. I love music. I listen to music. I can talk music. I can like every type of music. I can, I'm the worst singer ever. I can't play anything. I, I actually played the trumpet in high school for a little bit. Uh, that didn't last that long. Yeah, but That was I, my I, next question. Yeah. <laughs> I played the clarinet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little, so little was, Squidward action. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, I, you know, it's funny. It's like you, I've. that's one thing I wish that I was talented in is is – music because i love it i love listening to it but i am the worst if everybody's clapping to a i'm like the i'm on the offbeat clap I, i'm terrible with all that stuff that's too bad well i freestyle rap but i, I have to be in the right mindset you know late at friday saturday night enough things <laughs> in the system where my mind is elevated a little bit 
to get there and uh, I'm sick and it's too early in the morning to do that. So I won't Mike Rupp, follow him on Twitter at Rupper 17. Check out that's hockey talk, the podcast. They go live Wednesdays at 8 PM Rupp. Great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on up in the blue seats. We'll do it again later in the season. Awesome guys. Anytime and uh, enjoy what you guys are doing. All right, Molly, great stuff there from Rupper. That'll wrap up episode 101 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me in producing this episode and every episode of the show. Catch up on all episodes of Up in the Blue Seats by subscribing wherever you get podcasts and subscribe on the New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch full episodes of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, at Jake Brown Radio at NYP underscore Brooksy. Molly, you are hitting the road next week and we'll talk about it next week. What is it? Six cities in 10 days? I think it's six cities in 15 or 16 days and I'm flying home on Thanksgiving, which I will report back what that experience is like, but I imagine it's like the lower depths of hell. <laughs> For Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, Andrew Hards, I'm the Podfather Jake Brown. We'll return next Thursday and every Thursday with new episodes of Up in the Blue Seats. Stay safe, everybody, and thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats.